This morning, we're going to be talking about our membership covenant. Every year around this time, we have finished the Psalms for summer. We spend the the summer going through some Psalms and songs for summer. And then in the Right before uh, the school year begins, right before the fall, we do a short series on what it means to be a part of New Life Church. And uh, so sometimes we will focus on um, our mission statement to engage those disconnected from God so that they may delight in Him through Jesus. Or we may focus on our uh, core values that uh, we live life together, we serve as a team, we need the gospel. We are missionaries. Uh, But this year, what we decided to focus on was our membership covenant. That is, a a covenant is a a commitment or a promise of relationship. So uh, when people come into the church, they can make this uh, membership covenant with one another. And if you are here and you are not a, a formal member of New Life Church, you are welcome here. You're welcome to uh, come here and worship with us on Sunday mornings or online. You're welcome to uh, participate in the ministries here. You're welcome to join a life group and begin to engage in the life of the church through those things. But if you really feel like this is, um, these are my people, this is my tribe, this is a place where I want to commit, then we would encourage you to uh, take part in official membership here. That is, that we have officially made a covenant with one another. When we make that promise, we're not making that to an organization somewhere. We're not making it to this building, but each of us as members of New Life Church are making a commitment, a covenant with one another to engage in relationship with one another and the terms under which we expect that relationship to take place. So let me just uh, give you the highlights of our membership covenant. We promise by God's grace and through the indwelling presence of His Spirit to live lives in keeping with the truth of the gospel, to care for and promote the purposes and unity of God's church, to commit ourselves in tangible relationships and small group communities with one another, and to passionately participate in God's kingdom-bringing mission. Now, those of you who have read through the the, uh, covenant before, you are going, wait, you skipped some details in there. And that's true. I did skip some details in there. That's because this series is about the details. It's about fleshing out what does that look like. And so uh, last week, Pastor Scott was talking about what it means to uh, care for and promote um, the purpose and unity of New Life Church. Next week, Pastor John will come and he will talk about what it means to commit ourselves to lives in keeping with the gospel. But this morning, I get to focus on the tangible relationships. I get to focus on this piece right here. That we promise to commit ourselves in tangible relationships and small group communities to fulfilling the one another commands found throughout the New Testament. Now, as you read through our covenant, you'll notice the footnotes or the brackets that have all of the scriptures that um, we use to support the reasons that that we have uh, this in our covenant. And under my bullet point, it just says found throughout the New Testament. 
throughout the New Testament because you can turn to just about any page in the New Testament and see evidence for the reasons that we need to commit to relationship with one another. It's an expectation as Christians that we will not just live a Christian life all by ourselves as though it's some private religious thing that we do, that it's my own private spirituality that I don't need a group of people for. No, we expect that if we are to uh, fulfill what God has called us to be in Christ, that we will be engaged in relationship with other people. And so this morning, I want to focus particularly on Colossians chapter 3 to look at this. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, which Neil was kind enough to read for us uh, just a moment ago, and so we will dive right into Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones. He, he, he seems like he's building off of something, right? That, that there was something that came before that set up this. And so let's turn back for just a moment to Colossians 3 verse 1 to see the setup for this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and what he's telling them is this. Look, you are Christians. You are followers of Christ. You are followers of Christ. And if, therefore, you have been raised with Christ, that is, we have spiritually died... And we have been raised with him. So Jesus died, was buried, and then rose again from the dead so that we might be forgiven of our sins. When that happened, we believe that we spiritually died with him or united with him and raised to a new kind of life. That's what happens when you believe in Jesus. You believe that he died for your sin, not just all people's sin, but your sin specifically, to remove that sin from you and give you a brand new kind of life. And so therefore, if we have been raised with Christ, we should set our minds, set our gaze, set our hearts on the things that are above where Jesus is. We should be focusing our minds on him and not on the things on earth, not the things that are around us, but rather focus on him because we are living a new kind of life. We are not distracted by the things of this earth. We're not concerned so much with the things of this earth as we are with Jesus because of what he has done for us. And because we anticipate that when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's the hope that we look forward to. Therefore, if that is our hope as Christians, then we should put on. We should put on then as God's uh, as God's holy ones. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We're supposed to put these things on, like, like you put on clothes, right? So in the morning you get up, you look in your closet, and you say, okay, what am I going to wear today? And some of you don't care. You don't even look. You just open the closet, reach in, grab something, put it on, good enough. 
But others of you, you look and you say, how am I going to express myself today? And you look through and you move the hangers over and you select these shirts one by one and you say, okay, do I want to express myself this way today? Do I want to wear a dad t-shirt today? Do I want to express myself as a dad today? Maybe I'll, I'll flip through and I'll look at a couple more and I'll go, oh, maybe I want to express myself as a pastor. I'm going to put on my pastor uniform today. Maybe I'm feeling sporty. I want to, I want to express myself as someone who plays basketball today. Maybe I want to express myself as an artist Maybe I want to express myself as, as somebody who gets my hands dirty because this is a work day for me today. How, how are you going to express yourself? What are you going to put on? He says, look, as you're looking, these are the kinds of things that you're going to put on. And as you're considering, how do I want to express myself today? He says, this is what I want you to think about. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, as you're thinking about, who, how do I want to express myself today? Who do I want to express myself as? I want you to think of yourself as chosen by God. God said, I choose you. I have selected you. I have selected you to be holy and loved by me. I loved you so much that I sent my son to die on your behalf so that your sin could be removed. And I have chosen you so that your sin might be gone and you might be holy before me because I have loved you that much. And so as you stand in the mirror and you think to yourself in the morning, how am I going to express myself today? Paul says, put on these things because God has chosen you. That's the context that we want you to think about. God has chosen you, selected you to be holy and loved by Him. Therefore, let's put on these things. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Aren't those beautiful? If you wanted somebody to describe you, don't you wish they would use words like this to describe you? Isn't this the kind of person that you want to be? Isn't this the kind of person that you want to hang out with? When I think about the people that I want to hang out with, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, that sounds like the kind of person I could delight to spend all day with. I love to be around that kind of a person. They're caring, they're humble, they're patient, they're kind. I love to spend time with people like that. Wouldn't you rather spend time with somebody like that than someone who is arrogant and proud and rude? Self-centered? I mean, if you had to choose, on the one hand, you had humble and patient and meek and kind, and on the other side you had rude and uh, self-centered and arrogant, I think I'll hang out with this one. That's the kind of person that I want to spend my time with. Now, Pastor John is going to flesh out next week a little bit more what it means to live lives in keeping with the truth of the gospel, but I just want to say that these are the kinds of people that I want to hang out with. But what does that actually look like, right? It's one thing to say, humble, kind, compassionate, meek. 
But what does that look like? Like boots on the ground, it actually fleshed out. What does that look like? Verse 13. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, you may think to yourself, okay, I I think I'm probably a compassionate person. I think I'm mostly patient. I thought that until I had kids. I thought I was both compassionate and patient, and then I had kids, and I discovered, no, not nearly like I thought. Because until it's tested, you don't know if it's really there. Until you're really working it out, walking it out, until you have need to be patient with someone else, until you have need to be kind to someone else, you don't really know whether or not it's there. But when you know it's there is when you, it looks like this, verse 13. Bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. I think sometimes we think that um, I just want to find a group of people that's like me. Right? That, that somehow we will, we will uh, exude these um, characteristics of kind and compassionate and humble because we just agree on everything. And so I look for a church where I will just agree with everybody about everything and we will get along very well because there is no division among us. We just are that much alike. But the reality is that's not true harmony. That's not true uh, um, relationship. It's, it's a facade. Because when we really get up close, when we really get uh, living lives one-on-one, living lives together, we find that even though we didn't intend to, we step on each other's toes. Have you ever noticed that, that when you're living in a house with somebody, that you find... I, I liked them. We were really good friends, but then we became roommates, and oh my goodness, but I need some space. Because when we get up close, we, just, we do things that irritate each other. Sometimes I get up close with somebody else, and, and they irritate me. On rare occasion, I might also irritate them. And then we have this ability, this opportunity, we'll say, to bear with one another. And when necessary, forgive each other. How, how could you do these things by yourself? Right? How could you have this personal spiritual life? Oh, yes, he is so humble, he is so patient, he is so kind and compassionate. He just does his spirituality all by himself over there. Sure. Sure he's patient. That's why he can't be around anyone. Sure he's compassionate. That's why he hangs out by himself. That's the definition of compassion. Loner. 
No, we have to. If we're going to express fully the lives that God has intended us to live in Jesus, we have to be life on life with other people. And if we're truly going to express these things, we can't do them alone. We have to do them with other people. And it's going to look like this, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. I've seen this kind of community before. I've seen this kind of of community. So officially at New Life Church, the way that we expect this will take place is in life groups. That's where that small group community happens, that that life on life. Because if you think you can live life on life with somebody for an hour on Sunday morning here with everybody smiling and wearing their best clothes, that's not actually life on life. That's our best appearance. But when we start to get into closer relationships, whether it's in life groups or whether it's just one-on-one relationships, we begin to see more and experience more and we begin to have these opportunities to bear with one another and go, okay, that personality type rates on me a little bit. So it's working on my character. I'm bearing with them. I'm learning to understand them. I'm learning to appreciate them. We get to know one another more and more and we begin to uh, have better interactions. We forgive one another when necessary and pretty soon we start going, actually, I like hanging out with them. At first they were irritating to me, but, but I like to hang out with them. And wow, how I appreciate what they bring to this group. Wow, how I appreciate the influence that they have on my life. And what a cool responsibility the the effects that my presence has had on them. Hopefully, to the glory of God. Is it always going to be perfect? No. But we're getting there, right? We're working on it, and we're working on it together. I, I have um, some budding musicians in my house. They, they, they play music, and, and one of the things I both love and loathe is when somebody tells me, wow, your, mu- your family is so musical. Your family is so musical. And I go, <laughs> Yeah. Hours and hours and hours of of out-of-tune practicing in my house. Tears on the instrument, struggling to do the things that we're saying. It goes like this. I know, Dad! I know how it goes. I just can't do it. Okay. And they struggle through it with all of that practicing And they do that for hours and hours with much crying and weeping and gnashing of teeth so that they can give you a two-minute performance and you can go, wow, your family is so musical. What a gift. God is working on us. We are not all playing our instruments in tune all of the time. Sometimes we are a little flat. Sometimes we're a little sharp with one another. But at other times, the work of Christ in our lives begins to shine through and we see that compassion and grace and patience and humility start to shine through. 
and we start to work together, and we start to help one another. And oh, is that sweet. Oh, is that sweet. Pretty soon, that musician who could barely play anything all by themselves begins to be able to play a little bit more, and then they can play with a trio. And what they find is that this musician thought that they could play the piece as long as no one else was a part of it. And they get paired up with somebody else and they start to play together and they go, oh, you're using a different tempo than I'm using. Okay, let's figure that out. Oh, you were playing in a different key than me. We were both playing, but that did not sound good because we were playing in different keys. And so you start learning how to work together and play together and pretty soon you're playing in a quartet or a chamber orchestra or some sort of small group or maybe a, a large symphony. And when they start to play together, they start to go, hey, this sounds really wonderful. And it's not because everybody is playing exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. That's not harmony. Harmony is playing at exact intervals. Everybody playing something different but compatible with everybody else. And the more we practice and the more we practice with one another and the more we play together, the more beautiful it sounds and the more complex the pieces we can play. And this is the life that we are working out. We're figuring it out, little by little, piece by piece, relationship by relationship, life group by life group. And sometimes you're going, oh, wow, that rehearsal was rough. And other times you start to hear things sync up and play in harmony, and you go, oh, this was so wonderful. And when that happens and somebody has to move away, I have seen them cry because they have to leave this community that they have loved so much and that has had such an impact on their lives. And people then crying tears of joy when they come back and are reunited with this community and they say, this is a group of people who has loved me and who has walked with me through some really difficult times. And they have cared for me they have appreciated me. They have helped me. And we get to do that with one another. Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. And how do we do this? Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. If you think that you can be as compassionate as we need you to be here by yourself, I'm afraid you are mistaken. If you think that you can be as humble as you are going to need to be to be a part of this community by yourself, you are mistaken. It is going to require the work of Christ in your life as we set our minds on the things above and set our hearts on the things above, then the peace of Christ begins to rule in our hearts and then we can have the compassion and the grace and the humility that we need for other people. Because if I'm all stirred up, I'm not going to be able to be compassionate with you. I'm not going to be able to be patient with you my fuse is too short. So you come along and you do something that irritates me and I'm like, what are you doing? Sorry. And I realize I, 
I need the peace of Christ in my heart. When I'm not feeling as compassionate or as gracious as I should, I, I need the peace of Christ in my heart. And I begin to think again about what he has done for me. That I need to forgive them because Christ has forgiven me. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were all called. Each of you has been called. But to one body. To one body of Christ. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is how we're going to do it. We just let the word of Christ dwell in us richly and teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in our hearts to the Lord. That's it. You've got it all together, right? Just like I do, of course. No. But don't we have an expectation when we walk into the church that this is the church. They should have it all together. It should be a place of beauty. It should be a place of sweet music here. We have that expectation. But the only way that that's going to happen is if we influence one another, if we are teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, coming alongside one another and saying, okay, I know you need some encouragement right now. Or I, I have seen this in your life, and so I just want to encourage you to repent of that sin. It seems like this attitude is inappropriate. We come alongside one another with compassion and grace and humility, but teaching and admonishing one another through the word of Christ to help each other be built up in love and be built up in Him. So that more and more we begin to reflect who He is and more and more we begin to ourselves play this sweet music that then gets harmonized with everybody else and we say, isn't this beautiful? Don't those conversations sing? read a book earlier this year called Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown. It's about a um, University of Washington rowing team that was headed for the Olympics. And the main character, Joe, is uh, talking with a coach, and this is what happens. He suggested that Joe think of a well-rowed race as a symphony and himself as just one player in the orchestra. If one fellow in an orchestra was playing out of tune or playing at a different tempo, the whole piece would naturally be ruined. That's the way it was with rowing. What mattered more than how hard a man rowed was how well everything he did in the boat harmonized with what the other fellows were doing. And a man couldn't harmonize with his crewmates unless he opened his heart to them. He had to care about his crew. In the boat, they would all have to row together. Maybe you watched the Olympics uh, this summer and you saw the rowing teams where six or eight people are in a boat and they're all rowing together in perfect sync. And they have to. They all have to be pulling together, 
all of them rowing together, each, one, each stroke even, each stroke on cadence, each stroke the blade entering the water at just the right angle and exiting the water at just the right angle. Because if anything gets off, if it splashes or anything, they, do, they call that you caught a crab. You were rowing and he caught a crab. And just one rower catching one crab one time in the race can ruin the whole race. The whole boat slows down and everybody has to get back on sync again with the coxswain calling out, row, 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 stroke, 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 to try and get everybody back on rhythm again. But... When everybody is rowing in perfect sync, when everything is happening just the way that it should be, then they just glide across the water and it seems effortless. And they call that finding their swing. They found their swing. And it's a beautiful thing to watch, like listening to a beautiful symphony. To watch these rowers all working in harmony together, all of them toward a common purpose, all of them with the same goal in mind, and all of them working exactly with one another. Look, we're, we're in this boat together, and we have not yet gotten there, but we're working on it. And the more we row together, the more we work together, the better sync we can find with one another. And here's what I find sometimes is that people will walk into the, the church, they'll step into the church like they step into a boat. And maybe they pick up an oar and they splash it around a couple of times and they go, there's no swing in this boat. I want a boat with swing. I'm going to go find a boat with swing. That's not how it works. You've got to get into the boat and you've got to learn how to row you got to learn how to row right, and you got to learn how to row with the people that are with you, and that takes some time, but when we find it, it is beautiful. It is wonderful. We let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. And whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The more we do that, the more we let the word of Christ dwell in us, and the more everything we do or say is in the name of the Lord Jesus, the more we are able to influence one another, and we both do that together, and we say, what is the Lord doing in your life this week? How can I pray for you this week? How can I encourage you this week? And because we're life on life, somebody walks in and goes, how are you doing today? I have a friend in this church who will ask me, Travis, how are you doing today? And I'll say, okay. I answer okay just about every time. And he goes, that sounds like a seven today. That sounds like a four today. Just in the tone of my voice, the way that I talk, he says, that okay didn't sound good. What do we need to talk about? It's that kind of relationship that as we spend the time together, we begin to have that kind of influence on each other's lives and we say, look, here's what I know about Jesus. Here's the hope that I think you need for today. I think you need to forgive them. 
I think you need to go and ask for their forgiveness. It's going to require repentance and humility, but I think you need to go and ask for their forgiveness. I think you're being distracted by the things on earth and need to set your mind on the things above. Let's talk again about Christ's priorities because I think that you are anxious and worried because of the things that are going on here rather than setting your mind on Him. And we work through those things together in these tangible relationships, these committed relationships that we have with one another. That's what we, why we talk about it in our membership covenant, that we promise to commit ourselves in tangible relationships and small group communities to fulfilling the one another commands throughout the world, uh, uh, found throughout the New Testament. And we don't expect that it's going to be perfect, but we do expect that more and more we are growing in Christ-likeness and that when He appears, we also will appear with Him, all of us, in His glory. This beauty comes out of the chaos of life, the frustrations of life. There are going to be times that you're dealing with something and you're going to go, I just need to step back right now. I, I just need to, I, I've got to step out of life group. I've got too much going on and I just, I can't handle one more thing in my life. Don't, don't do that. Don't be tempted to step away because life got hard. Don't be tempted to step out of relationship because you think you need to focus inward. This is the time that you have, that you can press into relationship and allow others to help you, to walk alongside you, to bear with you. And when you see somebody else that's beginning to pull back and it seems like they're stepping away, that's the time that you, as part of the community, as part of this covenant community with one another, get to step in and say, hey, how can I help right now? It seems like you've got a a lot on your plate right now. Maybe they need a word of encouragement. Maybe you need to write them a note and send it to them. I'm praying for you. I just want you to know how much I love and appreciate you. Maybe that's the time that you need to bring them a meal and you say, look, I know that you are just in more than you can handle right now and so I want to bring you a meal so at least you don't have to think about what you're going to eat tonight. Maybe that's the time that you need to come alongside and say, can I take your kids for an evening? Let you get a little space to get some things done? Maybe that's the time that you need to roll up your sleeves and say, hey, let's get this project done. Let me help you get this project done so it's not so overwhelming for you. But we press in and we help one another and we're committed to one another. And that's where the sweetness of these uh, kinds of relationships comes. It's as you work through those things and that's where afterwards you go, oh, I love this group. I could not imagine not being a part of a community like this. I don't know how people do it all by themselves apart from a community like this. I want to read you one more quote from the book. Immediately after the race, even as he sat gasping for air as the boat drifted down beyond the finish line, an expansive sense of calm had enveloped him. In the last desperate few hundred meters of the race, in the searing pain and bewildering noise of that final furious sprint, there had come a singular moment when Joe realized with startling clarity that there was nothing more he could do to win the race beyond what he was already doing. Except for one thing. He could finally abandon all doubt. 
trust absolutely without reservation that he and the boy in front of him and the boys behind him would all do precisely what they needed to do at precisely the instant they needed to do it. He had known in that instant that there could be no hesitation, no shred of indecision. He had no choice but to throw himself into each stroke as if he were throwing himself off a cliff and into the void with unquestioned faith that the others would be there to save him. If that is true of a man rowing in a boat, how much more for us, chosen by God, holy and beloved by him, to live lives empowered by the Holy Spirit in harmony with one another, So that when we have these conversations and these relationships together, they are in perfect harmony and they sing. Would you join us as we find our swing? Let's pray. Father, we have not yet arrived. We know that we are still sinners, all too often self-centered. And yet, Lord, you have called us to be yours, chosen us to be holy and beloved. And you, Lord, have filled us with your Holy Spirit so that we might more and more look like your Son, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray. I pray for those who are here this morning that they might day by day set their minds on the things above where Christ is, seated in the heavenly places. That more and more the peace of Christ would rule in their hearts. That day by day they would sing praise to you with thankfulness in their hearts. And that empowered by your Holy Spirit, they might live lives with one another. Bearing with one another and when necessary forgiving one another. Because they have been forgiven by you. And Father, we ask for these things not only for our own enrichment, but for the sake of the glory of your name, so that when others come into this place, they would hear the harmony of people living together in Christ. And that they might say, oh, how I long to be a part of a place like this. Father, we ask for these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.